Welcome to the Kelly Cardenas Podcast, where attitude is everything. Uh, on today's show, I have a special man, a very special man, especially uh, right after the, uh, I think, one of the coolest holidays of all time, which is our Independence Day. Um, I, I was so excited to be able to have this guy on. I just got a chance to be on his show. I was so honored because of all the people that he's had on, um, you know, the, the all the incredible, incredible minds in our uh, in our world, this guy is you know hobnobbing with them. He's friends with them, and he's always constantly promoting everybody else. He's the one that is picking up everybody, talking about how great everyone is. Right when we got on the call today, uh, he jumps on. And he's like, "Man, you know, thank you so much." But he's the guy that's promoting everyone that needs to be promoted more than anybody else because he's the real superhero. Uh, this man is a he's a veteran, a podcast host, a a, a top rated podcast host. He's a, a uh, 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 a best-selling author, um, public speaker, and I just think one of the coolest human beings that I've ever met. So please welcome to the show, Mr. Richard Kaufman. Hey, guys. Uh, thank you. Thank you so much. But uh, I'll accept all that stuff except superhero. That one, uh, I'll let somebody else handle that. <laughs> So Richard, we got to we I got to uh, shout this out right off the bat. If you're not listening to it already, Vertical Momentum Podcast. That's the host. He's the host of that top-rated podcast. This guy is incredible bringing so many different minds together. What is the what do you think is the top 3 things that you've taken away from you doing the podcast in the first place? Well, you know, me being a ninth grade dropout, um, I'm getting an MBA in business every day just by having this podcast because I, I can have people like you on David Meltzer, Tony, you know, John Lee Dumas, and I can ask them whatever I want. So I think the three things I've learned is stay humble, um, stay teachable, and definitely you have to start stepping out of your comfort zone. Like I did, a, uh, I just released an episode with JLD today and, and his, one of his things he said today is in order to be successful, you have to become humble. So I think that's one the biggest thing for me is being humble and being teachable. I think this word is a tagline, right? And we hear it all the time. Like, you know, to be successful, you got to be X. To do, this is going to create success in your life. Richard, can you help us from your viewpoint? Because I believe that you have a, uh, you have a unique viewpoint on this. Um, and my brother hit me with this one time because I said this, I was talking to him about someone and I said they were very successful. He said, wait a second. And I was like, what do you mean? He said, wait a second. He said, how do you define success? So for all the listeners out there uh, who I want to thank every one of you for listening and riding with us from the very beginning and helping the podcast to go to where it is, um, to all of you out there, um, I want to hear Richard's definition of success. Well, I, again, I had to steal from a friend of mine, um, Gary Vaynerchuk, Gary V. Um, one thing that he taught me, you know, that your legacy is more valuable than your currency. So for me, the money's not it. The house is, isn't it. Having a boat isn't it. Um, it's about what people are going to say about me 30, 40, 50 years from now. That's what I would be considered success. Uh, being a success is being a good husband, uh, being a good father. Uh, I got three beautiful children. And I, I love my bride. So those are the things that I consider success. Some people make, you know, might be the big house, might be the big boat. But for me, I'm, I'm looking for legacy. I'm not looking at currency. 
So, Richard, this is the, this is the question. This is the billion dollar question because you know once you start to fly in the in these orbits, right? And so when you're talking with Gary Vaynerchuk or you're talking with different people, and 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 I get to talk to you, who I believe is is one of those ones that's mentioned. And when you're talking about you know the David Meltzers of the world, I, I put the Richard Kaufmans of the world in those in those realms also. And you don't, and that's the reason why I believe that you're in it is because you know you're shaking your head and you you stay humble in it, but the question I've always had as a, as a little kid is like, you know, when people told me the, the, the house, the boat, the, you know, the things, the plane, the money, you know, that's not really what matters. What matters is the family, which is amazing. Richard, is there a situation where you could have both? Oh, you could definitely have both, you know, and I believe, again, that for me, my personally, like, you know, when I had David on the show, we were talking about how gratitude and anger cannot occupy the same spot. And the, the more grateful for, you, for things that you have in this world, the more the world is going to give you. So it's, it's definitely, you can definitely have both, but it just, it makes, you got to put, for me, I have to put stuff in perspective. You know, what good is it would be for me to have a big boat and a big house and a big car and then go home at night and sit at the big kitchen table by myself? To me, that's not success for me. I'd rather, you know, even if I had to scale it down a little bit, maybe not have a big as boat or big a car, but if I were able to spend some time with my family, I think that's what for me is more, I feel more successful if I had that around me instead of just having, you know, the, the money and the prestige and all that. Because all that goes away, you know, because everybody, I tell everybody, you know, you got to stay humble because even in the chess game, at the end of the game, the pawns and, and the king, Go in the same box, same size box at the end of the game. So you got to stay humble. So Richard, people talk about it too, and I just heard you allude to it. And I want to dive into this uh, two two different points. Number one, you said that, you know you want to be a good husband. Number two, you said you want to be a good father. Can you give us some actionable items on how to be a better husband from Richard's point of view? Um, and how you've been able to love your bride at a high level, because again, we hear the we hear the we hear the thirty thousand foot view, right? We we hear like you need to be a better husband, but a lot of times guys aren't giving us actionable tasks or things that we can do that will enhance our marriage and enhance that love for our wife. Can you give us some of those? Uh, well, like I said, right before I hopped on, I was actually reading a book my friend got me about being being a father. Um, he's a father of three girls. So I'm actually reading a book about that. But I think one of the most important things you can actually do that an actionable step is, is like, you know, like even David said, like, you know, his wife said, okay, either marry, either, either we stay married or you, you know, lose your businesses. It's up to you, whatever you want. So obviously they stayed married. Uh, but he told me that you have to block out time for your wife, your kids, for grandma. You know, sometimes we're so worried about blocking out times for, um, you know, meetings and for sales calls, but we don't block out times for our wives and our children, or maybe even just calling grandma at night. So I think that's the most actionable step you can do is make sure you're blocking out times in your day for the things that are most important. Richard, help me too, because I want to dive, I want to dig even deeper into this. Uh, what what do we block the time out for? And And when we say like, there's a difference between giving advice and just talking about what Richard does. 
So what do you block the time out for? I mean, you know, is it is your is your wife just like you block it out on the calendar and you guys just sit stare at each other? I mean, <laughs> help help us because you know I see you as you know. For my definition of success, like I see you as one of those those examples, right? And so when you block the time off, what is it that you're actually blocking the time off for? Like, like um, I put I have it where. You know, when I, cause I, I learned some grit from great people, especially from my friend, John, he's a Navy SEAL commander. And he said, you know, your, your time, you know, your, what you do in the morning, what you do in the evening is what makes you successful or a failure. So for me, like when I get up in the morning, I make sure that the first 15 minutes I'm meditating, I'm not picking up my phone. I'm not talking to anybody. And I just have 15 minutes of gratitude. And then I block out, you know, okay, six o'clock phone shuts off i'm gonna go spend time with my my wife my kids do things with them um and and that's what so i got my 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 on schedule and my off schedule and a lot of people don't do that so a lot of times you think you're off but you know you're still watching netflix with your wife scrolling scrolling through your phone you know and and a lot of and a lot of guys don't take the time to you know say if their wife says hey rich and I, i used to be used to do it all the time she my wife would say Hey, Rich, and I would just be looking. But now I put the phone down if she says something to me. I look into her eyes. I make sure she knows that I'm understanding what she's taking. and I'm actively listening. So I think that's very important to, you know, for me, I put my phone away, at, like I said, 6 o'clock at night. Unless me and my wife, we play phones together on the phones, you know, different games together. But I think if you're on your phone 12, 15 hours a day, eventually it's like when we were growing up, our parents would read the newspaper and you felt like you were being ignored. Now it's the phones. So that's what I do is I block off certain times to be on, certain times to be off. And Saturdays and Sundays, it's family time. It's rarely that I ever do anything on a Saturday and Sunday except if it's, if it's for family time. So talk to us, too, about uh, like what you've learned from your kids. Because, you know, I've talked to a co- quite a few people about this and, and – um, I thought as a parent, I was going to be this wise old dude, you know, like grow a long beard. I was going to whittle wood on the porch and I was going to tell my kids stories of this wisdom and I was just going to impart all this wisdom. And now I see that my 10 year old is whooping my butt in wisdom. He's teaching me stories. He's teaching me things constantly. Like he told me the other day, he said, dad, like, cause the car was dirty. Right. And he was like, dad, like we were looking through the windshield and I said, we got to take this car and get it clean. Cause you know. My dad would have killed me if he would have saw this dirty car. And my, uh, my, my son said, dad, if you focus on the road, you can't see the dirt. But if you focus on the dirt, you can't see the road. And then he just looked at me and just went silent. And I was like, man, you got me. You know what I'm saying? So talk to us about a lesson, you know, a specific lesson that, that your, that your, your kids have taught you in the, in the, maybe the last weeks or days or even months. Well, I, I have three beautiful children. I got a 10-year-old daughter. Um, I have a 17-year-old son, and I got a 19-year-old son, soon to be 20. He's going to college, you know, he's, and but he's on the spectrum. So he's a high-functioning autism. And his thing is his nature. And, you know, a lot of times he's just looking and just enjoying being, not doing anything, but just enjoy looking at a butterfly. Or, you know, just enjoy being outside. And it's amazing how, you know, I'm always on the go, always want to do something. And he's, he's said, you know, one day he said, Dad, you know, I'm a human being. 
So today I'm just being human. And it was, it was pretty awesome when you can have a kid teach you something like that, just, you know, to actually enjoy the, you know, enjoy the flowers, you know? So Richard, talk to, talk to us too, because I mean, you've been through a ton of stuff. I mean, you're a, you're a veteran and I want to thank you for your service. Um, you've written a best-selling book. You're, uh, you know, you have a top rated podcast. Um, you're a phenomenal father. You're an incredible husband. Um, when you go through a lot of things and it hasn't been easy, you even battled blindness, you know, yeah. like, okay. So when you have things like that, that you've gone through in your life and you've gone through all these different, uh, aspects, a lot of times, um, the sympathy or empathy for other people is not high because that person that's gone through all that stuff. I remember, you know, at times my dad would be like, look, man, you know, we didn't have hot running water until I was like 14 years old. My dad was only 68 when he passed last year. So he wasn't an old guy. They just didn't have. And yeah. so early on in my dad's life, the sensitivity um, a lot of times wasn't there because of what he had gone through. How have you been able to stay in touch? You know, how have you been able to stay in touch with that sensitivity, that, that humble state? My dad got it later. Like, you know, to see my pop, he went from dad to pops to campa. And those three realms, right? It was, you know, dad was strong. Pops, wise. Campa, softy. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah. but I, I look at you and with all the things and all the, I mean, I, we could call them traumas that you've had in your life. How have you been able to stay so sensitive and just constantly build people up, man? Well, you know, and I got to say, and I, I wrote out a post today. It was a picture of me, my, my, my wife and my three kids in a sunset. And I said, I would, that was my whole life in one big picture. But, you know, but I also wrote in that post that, you know, I was a, a total asshole. I was a person that lived for myself. I was a person didn't care about anybody else. I didn't care about how you felt. I didn't care about nobody or anything until, you know, uh, that September morning of September 2001, 9-11. That's when my whole life changed. That's when I just literally broke down on my couch and I wrote about it in my book. You know, I really broke down on my couch and I cried out to the Lord. I said, Lord, you know, give me another chance in life. You know, let me help people that can't help themselves. And I think that's the first time I really became really humble and really decided, you know what, for the past, whatever, I forget, it was 23 or 25 years, whatever. I lived for myself. I lived for self-gratification. You know, from that moment on, that September morning is when I started living for others. And it seems like um, my life has gotten so much better because I'm not just always thinking about me. Like like last night, yesterday, for instance, we went out for a hot, you know, we went out for a Fourth July barbecue, and everybody's eating. And my my best friend says, "Well, why aren't you eating?" So, because I'm waiting for everybody else to eat first to make sure that they're taken care of, they're fed. And I do that all the time. You would, my, I won't even eat if my wife hasn't ate yet. I'll I'll wait until she's done. And so that's something that you know I've always started you know being that way because after september 11th um and that's the way i live my life i'm, I'm i live my life that i'm always trying to pay it forward because i made so many mistakes and everything i ever did you know like great grant cardone talks about in his book 10x that everything is your fault and once you realize that everything's your fault is when you finally become free so you know all those mistakes i made those 25 years previously you know those are all my faults my fault so now if I'm successful and, and, and becoming successful in life, it's also my fault. So that's the way I live my life. I'm always just trying to, and I always say it, I'm just trying to pay it forward 
I'm just trying to be a better man today than I was yesterday. So, Richard, you know, you talk about that time or that switch that goes off. I mean, for you, it was September 11th. Can you talk to the people out there that are, are waiting for their moment? And, you know, does it have to be some catastrophic? Does it have to be something? Or, and, and when it happened, was it a complete separation? Like, was Richard, you know, on September 10th, this dude that you said, and I can't imagine you not being a nice guy. Uh, I can't, I, I can't imagine that. I would like to meet that dude. Um, but was it September 10th, that guy, and then he died on, uh, at midnight and then just this whole new being came about. And can you talk about that? You, you alluded to, you know, that, that, that grace that, that you were given. Um, I mean, what about a person out there that's like, come on, Richard, like you still had, like, not all of you died. You still wanted, you know what I'm saying? I mean, you know, like I said, you know, because like if, just a little backstory, um, you know, where I'm sitting right now, if I got, if I go stand on my porch, I'm overlooking where the Twin Towers once stood. Wow. So I knew people that were in the buildings that day. And I was due to be thrown out at, of the military for the second time at the end of September 2001. And all my shit was all packed up to be given to them so they can throw me out at the, and as I'm watching the TV, all my shit is over here. And it just hit me that, you know, these soldiers went into the Pentagon that day just to go to work and they didn't come home. And here I am taking it for taking life for granted, taking my military service for granted. And it just everything, I guess, just mishmashed and everything. It just literally broke me. And, you know, when I went to my next drill, at, you know, military <coughs> I was not the same person. And that's when I sat and I got there a couple hours early and I'm like, all right. And I do this was biz business also. That's why I look up to people like you, you know, you, you actually inspire me. Um, but I, I sat down there and I got there two hours early and I'm like, all right, my way is not working. So who is being successful? What are they doing differently? And that's when I just started following around like a little puppy dog and learning, you know, what the success people do because success leaves clues. But I really was that asshole um, back then. And my wife knew me when I was uh, that asshole. And she's like, you're totally different now. I'm looking for ways to bless people. I'm always looking for if an old lady needs something from the shelf. I'm I'm, I'm that guy. And I, I, I believe that the more blessings I can give to others, the more blessings I can be. Now, back to your question, I know it's a long winded answer. But I believe it doesn't have to be a 9-11. It doesn't have to be, you know, a big traumatic event. It could be watching, maybe watching a movie. Like we were watching a show called Life After Death last night. And I just got to be thinking, I'm like, wow, you know, sometimes you got to, you know, maybe my mom, you know, she, because she was an addict and addiction, but she's clean now. But maybe she didn't treat me right because she didn't know any better and hurt people, hurt people. So sometimes I think if you could just become more, uh, self-aware, I think you'll start seeing the little changes that you might want to make, or you don't, you don't need that big thing. It could be something like your daughter says, daddy, how come you're always looking at your phone and you're not playing with me? It could be something like that, you know, just try to maybe be a little bit more self-aware and, you know, self, you know, just know what you're, when you're sitting around, listen to what other people are saying. And maybe, you know, it might, it might come to you that way. Would instead of having to be a big bang, it might be just a soft whisper. Mm. 
Well, Richard, help help me too, because there's a lot of there's there's words there's one word out there that a lot of people don't talk about, um, and it's something that you know for us the hideout, right? So we we created the hideout. It's a, a two and a half day. We we call it kind of a hybrid retreat mastermind, and we focus on the one thing that fuels everything, which is joy. And people are like, how can you quantify joy? And I said, well, joy is not happiness. Joy is simply looking at your current circumstances and falling in love with them and then watching magic happen. But we have the tendency to lose joy when we get hard charging, when we get, you know, we start to what the world calls success in business. We start to lose that little bit of joy, that that thing that my son has. Like, honestly, I, I watched him uh, go to the airport the other day with me and we went on a business trip and he, sh- we showed up to the airport and he was like, Oh my gosh, daddy, we get to go through security. And I was like, yeah, dude. Yeah. We got to go through security. And he's like, dad, this is so cool. Can you imagine like we're, we get to do this and that. And I was like, dude, this is things that I take for granted every single day that I do, but he has this overwhelming joy in him. And he's just in love with this circumstance. And I find that uh, the re- that's the reason why we created the hideout is because we wanted, I mean, we wanted men to be able to get back in touch with it. Can you define joy uh, for us and in Richard's, you know, standpoint? And what do you think of it? And how can, how can a person attain it? Yes, I think my, my dog is the epitome of joy. My wife has a dog. We have a dog. Her name is Ginger. She's 12 years old. And she is just joyful where, you know, if you're only gone three seconds and you come back in the door, she's happy to see you. You know, if we give her a little treat it, and she runs around the house, like it's the greatest thing that she's ever been given, you know, and I try to learn a lot of lessons, life lessons from my dogs. Like, so I can learn, you know, let's be grateful, you know, cause like David said, you know, gratitude and anger cannot occupy the same space. And for like a lot of people say, well, you're just saying that. And then I asked him, I said, you know, just do me a favor and, and close your eyes for three seconds. And then they do. And I said, well, well, that's what I've seen for 18 months. So if I just wake up in the morning and my eyes open and I can see that I'm, I'm, I'm feeling, you know, joyous and free. And, you know, and I think that people just need to, or some people should just you know, have a little bit more gratitude. You know, I think if you have a little bit more gratitude in your life, I think joy automatically comes if you know, like I was grateful I had, I came in, it was hot yesterday. I said, Lord, thank you for giving me air conditioning, you know, stuff like that. Even as the stuff we have around us, some people don't have this stuff. You know, a lot of people don't live the lives that we live. And a lot of us take it for granted until it's taken away from us. Like my vision, it was, I took it for granted until, you know, it was taken away from me, my own fault, obviously. But, you know, I think that we should just have a little bit more gratitude because gratitude and joy are, they walk hand in hand down the street together. So, you know, you have one, you have the other. Richard, when you have, uh, like, talk to us too about uh, in, in business, because I think a lot of times people don't realize or connect the joy component, right? The joy component to them being successful at what they do, right? Because they think that if they hit the bottom line to be a higher number, then that is going to bring joy, Right. And what I found is that joy will bring profit, but profit doesn't bring joy. Can you, can you speak to that a little bit? Cause I know you've been through it. But it's, that's very true because a lot of people don't realize, you know, just be like you know, veterans and, you know, first responders have a high rate of suicide. So do entrepreneurs, because a lot of us think, you know, okay, well, when I hit that first million, 
or when I hit that second, you know, whatever it is, whenever I get the third boat, it that's what's going to make me happy. And like, you know, like my, like I said, like Gary, something I've learned from, he said, you know, I'm a big sports guy and my, my Golden State Warriors just won. Uh, but they talk about trusting the process and enjoying the process, you know, because a lot of people you've talked to them, you know, after they won a Super Bowl and after they retired, they really don't talk about the Super Bowl. They talk about those days when they were hot and sweaty and, you know, hurting, but they were hanging out with their buddies. That's what they miss the most. They miss the camaraderie. So they really miss the process. They really don't miss the championships. So I think a lot of us really need to start enjoying our day. Like, I know, and this sounds stupid, but it's something that I can find relatable. Um, the other day I was taking out the garbage and it was raining out and I was miserable. Then I just looked around and I'm like, two miles from here is where I was living in a car, homeless, eating out of garbage cans. Now I get to take out the garbage from my house. You know what I mean? I think so. A lot of times if we start in business, if we stop the, I have to change the words to, I get to, I think it could, it could be a big difference in our businesses. Richard, talk to us about two things. Number one, talk to us about blindness. Um, I think that this is something that a lot of times people, you know, we take things for granted. Like, well, my dad, right before my pop, right before he passed away, you know, he, he was like, the one thing that I never realized was so important was my health. He said, because I could control everything in my life. Like my dad was a hard charging guy. I mean, he, he had what's called a pit bull mentality. He would lock his jaws onto whatever he wanted and he would go at it a hundred percent. Now he had things in line as far as like, you know, understanding and knowing the family was, was first, but he, he was a barely a, uh, you know, he was a high school dropout, ended up working for NASA. Um, you know, one of the seven, first seven safety people. And he did this all by true, like just focus and going after it. Right. But he said, the one thing that I could not control, especially at the end of my life was my health. And he said that, you know, it, it was something that for a long time I always took for granted. Can you talk to us about vision and the people out there that can that are watching you right now and seeing this handsome guy that is a superhero, uh, that's Richard Kaufman, um, and that watch the Vertical Momentum podcast. And if you're not and you're not listening to it, you need to turn it on and uh, you need to read his book. Um, but talk to us about that vision. You said you lost it for 18 months. Yep, and I, I'm going for another surgery uh, next week, probably. So, and you said it was your fault too. So. Well, take take us through this. I mean, obviously, I mean, the first time I got ran over by a Humvee and I had a stroke. So that one wasn't my fault. But the second one was I was with GNC and I was, I was able to drink as much energy drinks as I can. And one day I think I had way too, one too many energy drinks. My, my blood sugar, my blood pressure dropped, popped, you know, went off the rails and, and I popped off my, ret my retina. So that, that's why I say that, that, that was my fault. So I'm still, you know, and that's been three years and, uh, I lost 80% of my vision and now I'm starting to slowly get back to it. Um, so, but like I said, I've, I've come to realize that, you know, like my friend, you know, Ed, Mr. Ed Milet always talks about, uh, you know, things happen, you know, to you and they happen for you, not to you. So for me, it was something, it was a teachable moment. So that I'm, I'm learning less than three years later, but, for me, I talk to everybody. I say, you know, without health, there is no wealth because it seems that 
you spend most of your health trying to get wealthy and then spending your wealth trying to stay healthy as you get older. So I think a lot, we kind of have to put that in, that comes again into blocking, like my, like the guy, a uh, friend of ours, James Clear, he wrote the book Atomic Habits, and he talks about you have to block out time for your health, or your it will block time out for your health. So, you know, definitely, I think we need to start being, you know, what good is it to, even in the Bible, it says, you know, what good is it to gain the whole world, but lose your soul? But what good is it to gain the whole world monetarily and then have your husband's next husband enjoying it? You know what I mean? Richard, how do I gain my soul? That's a hard one. That one, I don't have the answer to that one. <laughs> uh, that one, I ain't got, all I can say, just pray, brother, just pray. But, you know, like I said, health, you know, I was with GNC for over 30 years. I worked with guys from NFL, Major League Baseball, WWE, a former world boxing heavyweight champion. And I learned about health from them. You know, they're like, you know, I only have a certain infinite time in, on this earth. And I want to stay as healthy as I can to enjoy what I got so I can live to be 90 and 100 and, and enjoy that 90 to 100 years instead of, you know, go to 50 and then, you know, you're on dialysis for the next 40 years. That's not living. So, Richard, when you're, you're around the, the, the Ed Milets or the Gary V's and you, you hear these things and you hear their journeys, um, how have you been able to, and I, I want to compliment you because um, in, with all of it, and, you, and you're around everybody, and you have, I mean, the who's who on your podcast. And again, if you are not listening to the Vertical Momentum podcast, every one of you out there, you need to be listening to it. Um, but how are you able to keep Richard in the center of it, because I, I watch a lot of times and there, I have a lot of friends who read books and they read the book and then they regurgitate the information. And then I see them and they're just an iteration of what they read in the book, as opposed to taking it and applying it in their life. But it seems like you've taking, taken all this, you've taken the methods, you've taken the best of Ed Milet, the David Meltzer's, the Gary V's, and then you've just added them and it's amplified Richard. Because this, again, is something that a lot of times people go down rabbit holes and then they become unrecognizable and they're not themselves. They're just a sum of a bunch of different techniques, methods, all those things, but they don't own it. And you seem to own it. How have you been able to do this and how can someone do that? Well, people that know me, they know I'm in recovery almost 34 years coming up January. And one thing they talk about in the program is, you know, if you listen to somebody's story, Take what you can use and then throw away the rest of it. So what I try to do is, you know, anybody that I look like people, I look up to you, you know, I look up to, you know, Mr. David, you know, Mr. Ed, I look, I look up to these people and I, and I don't, I'm not really worried about, you know, how successful they are. I want to know about their failures and I want to know how to not repeat their failures because they, you know, they say success leaves clues. But like you said, I also want to be me. You know, there's no way that I could be as handsome as Tony and six foot five as Tony Robbins or as jacked as Ed Milet. But I just want to be me. But I want to be a better version of me. And, you know, I was I forget who I was talking to. And we were talking about, you know, it was the reticulator activating system in your mind that your mind doesn't know the difference of if you listen to a podcast it doesn't know the difference if Ed Milet is sitting right next to you 
or if it's just in your ears in an iPod. So a lot of people will say to me, you know, well, I don't have mentors like you have, but your mind doesn't know that you can listen to podcasts, you can read books. Your mind doesn't know the difference is if it's your, if they're really your friends or if they are your friends. And a lot of people don't realize that, you know, you can glean, gleam all those different things to learn in your life. And like, I think it was Mr. Jim Rohn said, I think, you know, you are the average of the five people you hang out with. So if you hang out with five millionaires, you're going to be the sixth. And, and, but then it also goes back, you know, you never see an, an eagle flying with a turkey. You know what I mean? So you have to figure out, pick, pick and choose the people you want to be around that are successful. So you can start, you know, moving up into the, into the realm. So Richard, talk to us about homelessness. You said that, you know, two blocks or three blocks from your house right now, you know, there was a time where yeah. you were homeless eating out the trash can. Yeah. Talk to us not only about that journey, but also too, I would love to know, I mean, because I guess the closest thing that I've ever been, well, I've been kind of close in, in a couple of times, but I remember the closest that I can remember was I was in Paris. We got a train down to San Rafael. Now, this doesn't sound like I'm homeless because I'm talking about Paris and talking about San Rafael. But we get to San Rafael, and it's in August, and we didn't make any um, reservations. And so my friend was like, don't worry, we'll get a hotel when we get there. Well, I didn't realize that all of France is on a holiday during August, and there ain't no hotels at all. So one of the nights we had to sleep on the the street. Well, I didn't want to sleep on the concrete, so I slept on a bench. And I had a backpack on, and I look like I do. If you're watching right now or if you know me, you know what I look like. Me laying on a bench in public doesn't fare too well. And a person walked up to me and they gave, they were like, hey, can you take a picture, a picture, a picture? And they spoke French, but I, I understood picture. I said yes, and I went to, you know, take a picture for them. And they were like, no, 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 we want my friend to be in the picture with you. So I was that homeless dude on the bench sleeping that's in somebody's, you know, but that's the closest. And I wanted to tell the people, because they couldn't understand my words, I wanted to tell them I have a job. Like I have a home in America, but none of that mattered because I couldn't communicate it. But it was this, it was this lonely feeling and it was just for a second. And I can't imagine what it would feel like to actually be in that situation. Can you take us into the mind and to the emotional state and the things that you went through during that time? Well, now, like I said, everything is my fault. So, but now I'm probably the only guy you're ever going to get talked to that my behavior was so bad. I got thrown out of a crack house. That's how bad my behavior was. But in this time that I'm homeless, I'm making, now this is back in 1980, 88, 89. I'm making over a thousand dollars a week cash. I have a job and I would just, you know, I'd survive through the week, ration my alcohol money. I was living in my car. And then, you know, I get paid on a Friday get drunk or get hammered or get high and I would get I would get rolled and my money would be gone and I'd have just enough to survive and put gas in the car for another week and I lived that way for about six 12 to 18 months so I had money but it was just my addiction was so bad that you know I couldn't fault my parents for not taking me in because you know they're trying to do the right thing and try to you know having a marriage and all that and, you know, my friends, you know, they had jobs, they partied on, 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 you know, like they, we, they would party on a Friday and a Saturday. And for me, it's Sunday night and I'm still ready to party. 
So um, it was it was all my fault. And but being homeless, you know, it's it's weird because you 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 feel like you're you're no longer part of this world. You know, like I remember, and I, and I go and I talk about it every Christmas. One Christmas, I was actually eating uh, in a crack house. I was heating my dinner up on a uh, a hot plate, and I didn't know what I was going to be eating because um, this the store used to throw away the uh, they used to take rip off the labels of the cans and throw them in a dumpster, and I would be like, "Oh, what am I eating today?" I mean. Whatever I mean is a surprise. So I'd open up the can and cook it on a hot plate. And like I said, you know, but being homeless and you're thinking you're like, wow, you know, mom and dad are it's Christmas Eve, you know, they're having fun with the family and here I am in my own addictions. So a lot of times you feel sorry for yourself, then you feel mad and then you feel sorry for yourself. So you just get hammered and it's just a continuous cycle. But now, you know, some I also had a lot of ADHD problems and a lot of mental health issues. So it was. there's a lot of different people, reasons why people are homeless. So a lot of times when I see a homeless person, first thing I think about is, could be an addict, but then a lot of, you know, a lot of people don't realize how many um, veterans are, are homeless. So it, it, it depends depends on the person, but, but homelessness is no joke. And a lot of them people is because they're just suffering with mental mental issues. And I think that's what needs to be resolved is a mental health issue. So talk to us, too, about the, the alcoholism. You know, I dealt with it in my family, and, you know, whether it be the alcoholism or the drug abuse. Um, talk to us about the guilt that, that comes with that, because I think a lot of times people don't realize that, you know, they, like a person who's maybe not drinking or doesn't have a challenge with it, they're like, you know what, it's just simple. You drink, you, me- you know, get messed up, things get messed up, just stop drinking, everything will be fine. But they're not dealing with the fact that this overwhelming guilt that I've seen where maybe when they were drinking, they did a certain thing and then they get down on themselves so hard that they need to, they need to you know, cope with that. So then they add more alcohol to it. Then they do things that they shouldn't be doing and then they feel bad about it. So they need to add alcohol or add drugs to it. Can you talk to us about the guilt part of it and how we now maybe that aren't suffering with it could be a little bit more sensitive and how we can communicate with a person who's going through it. Well, first of all, you know, one thing I'm working on my Ted talk now, I'm working on getting that together. And what I'm going to be talking about is called the three pillars of forgiveness. And a lot of it is taught me from AA and NA. So it's not original, but I, you know, I tell everybody I can turn your life around in 90 days. You got to do the work, but I can turn it around in 90 days. And the three pillars of forgiveness are one, you have to forgive anybody that's ever hurt you. And that's not easy to do, but you could forgive, but you know, you don't have to forget. Second of all is ask for people that you've hurt for their forgiveness and try to make amends. And the third part, what I think you're talking about is forgive yourself. Mm. And a lot of people, you know, like I said, I've, I've hurt so many people in my past and I try to make amends. That's why I try to do, you know, whatever I can do to make, you know, to, to put karma out there. And a lot of times we don't forgive ourselves. And for me, it's kind of like, you know, if you think about a treadmill, if you have a person that's walking on a treadmill and their bag is, baggage is already full. And then you keep on thinking about guilt stuff and you just keep on putting stuff in the baggage. You're, you're never, you're eventually going to stop walking because you're not going to be able to, you know, keep that weight anymore. But what happens if you start forgiving 
you forgive somebody, you forgive yourself, and you start pulling the blocks out. All of a sudden, you know, that backpack is empty and you're free and you can able to run on the treadmill. So a lot of us, I think, have to use the three pillars of forgiveness to start living, you know, a life. Because once you're, once you're free of judgment, you really, you're, the whole world is open to you. You know what I'm trying to say? Absolutely. So help, help me too, because what can, what can a family member do or a friend do um, when someone's suffering? Um, because again, like the, I think that we go to the simplistic part, you know what drinking is a problem. You just need to stop drinking. And then I realized, like, I remember one time my, my pop, I had, I had a person in my life that was drinking really heavily and they would show up to my house and, or I'd go over to their house and they would always have, you know, a a ton of beer, right? So they would either come home with a 12 pack or six pack or whatever it was. And I got to a point and I remember calling my pop and I was like, man, I'm just struggling. Like, I just can't hang out anymore because every time it is. And he said, son, I'm going to tell you something that's going to make you really uncomfortable. And I said, what is it? And he said, you know, I would suggest, and I pause with this because it was hard for me to even understand at the time. But he said, you know what? The best thing that you could do is, you know, buy a, buy a 12 pack and go over to their house. And I was like, wait a second, I'm going to be giving in to that addiction and he said, no, you're going to meet them where they're at. And what I found was when I did and I didn't come in with judgment and I didn't come in trying to fix, then that person started to open up to me on the re- reasons why they were drinking in the first place. Um, but what are some from, from your side, because you dealt with the, the, you know, you were on the side of addiction. You, you had addiction and battled with that. What do you wish that your family members or your friends would have said, would have done, or, you know, could have done during that time? Honestly, I don't think anything, you know, I'm a, I, and I, and I got a bad memory because I got, I also have a traumatic brain injury. So sometimes I forget things, but, you know, a lot of times I forget the saying that, you know, when the student is ready, the teacher will, will appear. So for me, it was, I don't care, you know, anybody could have said anything and I, it, I wasn't ready to hit my bottom. And unfortunately, you know, one person's bottom, you know, one, one person's bottom is another person's ceiling. So that all depends, you know, that's all subjective. But for me, you know, like if you see a person that is struggling with addiction and you tell them, well, just quit. That's like telling somebody that's deaf, well, just listen harder. You know, it Mm. doesn't work. And but now what I do, like I had a, I'm not going to mention her name because I don't want to get her mad. <laughs> but I heard family, man, family members when they would invite me over after I was clean and sober, you know, and they would start talking about addictions, and I'd, I'd get them on my high horse, and I'd be like, you know, I go around the table, I was like, you, you're addicted to money, you, you're addicted to your phone, you, your husband's been cheating on you for years. And you, you, each person's struggling, dealing with something different. Each person has an addiction. And if somebody tells you they don't, they're bullshitting you because you try to take somebody's phone away for an hour. You mm. see what kind of addiction, because the average person checks their phone 400 times a day. So that's an addiction. But, you know, so that, that's just another form of saying everybody has problems. And I think, the, you know, I think the best way I would say if, if somebody's got a family member that's struggling you know, go in there with that, that mindset of, you know, if, if a person had cancer, are you going to make them feel bad because they have cancer? No, but you can go and say, you know, 
Hey, hey, Kelly, bro. How are you doing? And of course, Kelly's going to give me the, I'm all right, bro. You know, but then that's when you need to go and ask the second and third level questions. How are you really doing? And then just shut up. You're not there to solve a problem. You might be there just for them to listen, cry on your shoulder, and you got an earful. And I tell everybody, you know, if you ever get in touch with me, I'll, I'll be on the phone with you for hours because I'd rather hear your bullshit than your eulogy. Mm. So I think sometimes people just need to listen and just, you know, I'm on my empath. So that that's my thing in life. But I think some people just need to listen. You know what I mean? Richard, I think you have one of the best um, talents uh, to draw the best out of people, right? And I said that when we started off that you're constantly celebrating everybody else, but I think that you're one of the people that needs to be celebrated at the highest level. How do you consistently, and I watch this, man, like you draw the best out in people consistently. Well, it's help, help us with this. Help us because that's a superpower, man. But it's also something that I've had to learn. Because when I moved here in New Jersey 12 years ago, I had $50 in my pocket. I had the clothes in my car. And I, I, the only person I knew was my wife. And I had no friends. And then one day I sat down and I, I looked around and I'm like, all right, I got no friends. What's the problem? And I realized, you know, in order to have a friend, you've got to be a friend. Mm. And that's when I started, you know, learning how do you cultivate you know, relationships. And then, you know, then also starting reading self-help books, like, you know, in Gary, in one of Gary's books, I don't remember which one it was, but he says, if you promote your friends 10 times more than you promote yourself, you never have to promote yourself. And I just took that to heart to be like, you know what, each time, if I put a post out on either LinkedIn, Facebook, YouTube, anywhere, I'm going to tag two or three friends and let them know that they're appreciated and that they're loved. And that's just something that I've been doing. And now it's, I won't even put a post out unless it's having some something to do with somebody else. You know, like like when you introduced me to Mr. Mr. Reed, um, I was so humbled and thankful for that. And, you know, now we go back and forth and it was because of you. So, you know, you're the hero because you introduced us. And for me, I want to be able to, you know, let my people know that you know I love and I care about them. Like I wake up every morning and I will send 10 text messages to 10 different people. Let them know that I care about. Them. And that's every day, seven days a week. Because sometimes it might just be that one person, they, they might be right on the edge. And if you just say, hey, bro, I just want to let you know that you're loved and appreciated. That might, shut, that might pull them off the edge. So that's what I try to do is I just try to be that guy that's always going to you know, pump people up, let them know they're loved and appreciated. And I think we need more of that in this world. Richard, earlier you talked about legacy, right? You talked about, you know, the, the legacy and the, you, what were you saying? The, the currency, um, it wasn't about your the, legacy is more valuable than your currency. Yes. Legacy more valuable than your currency. Um, what do you want someone to say at your eulogy? All right. Now this, this is, uh, and I, I had this epiphany. Now, I had two uncles and they, they both died around the same time. One was a lot older and one was younger, but the younger one that passed away, he was a Christian man. He was a guy that was always there for everybody doing food drives and, you know, doing this and doing that. And my uncle, he was old school to where he would just, you know, he took care of his family, went, came home, 
went to work, watched the Yankees on TV. Um, and when I went to both their funerals, you know, my one uncle, the older uncle, the only people there were his you know, immediate family, and that was it. And then my younger uncle, they had to have three services. I mean, the place was packed. People, I mean, they people were coming left and right, and they were talking about him, how good he made them feel. And, and that's why I sat in my uncle's funeral, my older uncle's funeral. I'm going, what are people going to say about me? You know, what are, what are they going to say when I'm, when I'm laying there in that casket? And that's when I started thinking, you know, I want people to say, well, first of all, I want pe- people to just show up, just to make sure that I'm dead. But I want people to show up and be like, you know what? That guy, Rich, you know, there was times when I was lonely and he would send me messages in private because he didn't. He, I didn't want to do anything in public. He'd rather do it in private. And, I, and maybe I, you know, I, I didn't blow my brains out that day because he reached out to me and talked to me, you know, and that's the kind of legacy I want to leave to where, you know, I might not be able to feel, you know, I might not be able to, if I save a life today, I might not be able to see it, but, you know, three or four generations down the road when that person that would have killed themselves, now their grandkids become president or, be, you know, you know what I'm trying to say? So I, I, that I wanted to be to where, you know, if anybody says, well, how was your dad? You know, how was, how was grandpa? You know, I, I want him to let people say, I got nothing bad to say about him. He was always there for me. He was always, he was, he'd pick up that phone at 3 a.m. That's the guy that my, that grandpa, he was a stand-up kind of guy. So that's what my legacy I wanted to be. Richard, I started the podcast because of my kids. My son, who's 10, absolute superhero. Like, I mean, we just cut his hair the other day. He's got like 10 dreads in the back. He's got a rat tail on the side. He's got the other side shaved. He's got a little mohawk on top. Looks like an absolute Viking. This kid is on fire. I mean, he, he beats the, he marches the beat of his own drum. He is the most joyous kid I've ever seen in my entire life. He fills me up with joy and helps me to realize that when I start to lose joy, I start to lose everything else in my life. I start to lose profit. I start to lose, you know, connection with my wife. I start to lose connection with my friends. And he's taught me the fact that, you know, if we focus on joy and we fill up joy in our lives, it brings everything else. But if we focus on everything else, it never brings the joy. My daughter, who's 13 years old, she's, a, she's an artist. She's got the, one of the best uh, sense of humors that I've ever seen. Just an amazing old soul. She's so respectful. Uh, just incredible at what she does, and she loves everything that she does. She puts her whole heart into it. Now, on the flip side of it, when she doesn't put her heart into it, you know, like when we were trying to get her downstairs to go for a walk with the family, she was like, eh, I ain't trying to do that. But I started the podcast for those two because I wanted them to uh, see iconic people like Richard Kaufman. And I wanted them to see that Richard Kaufman is a human being. That Richard Kaufman isn't about the, the, the championships. He's about all the work that he did in the gym. And that he's about the process and as opposed to just the result of him celebrating that that celebration only lasts for a couple seconds. But that the process is where the magic is. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to show them that anything in life was possible as long as you had the right attitude and the right work ethic. So what advice, Mr. Superhero Richard Kaufman, would you have for Maddox and McKenna? And if you could use both of their names, it would be amazing. Maddox, and I love those, I love those names. And, and, and I think, and, I mean, I, I'm so humbled and I'm honored. Um, Maddox, I would say, you know, um, 
with something I learned from me. I learned from somebody on the show. His name is Rich Davini. He wrote a book called The Attributes. And he's a Navy SEAL. And he talks about whether you succeed at something, you have three minutes to enjoy it. And then back to hard work. Or whether you fail at something, you have three minutes to feel bad and back to work at it. So I think a lot of times if we could just take those three minutes and whatever you're doing, guys, if you're, if it's school, if you failed it, you know, if you had a bad grade, take three minutes and then move on. Cause a lot of times you're going to get stuck and say, Oh, I got to see. And then your the whole day is going to be shot. So if you had some going on whether it's school relationships, whatever, if you're doing good and if you're, you know, if you win at something, enjoy it for three minutes. If you lose at something, you know, get, you know, you can be down, but you can only be down for three minutes. So if you guys use the three minute rules, you guys are going to be successful in life, business, whatever you guys do. And your dad is truly amazing. Richard, I want to tell you how much I appreciate you for being on the show and, and, and your wisdom, who you are. Um, for all of you out there that are listening to the show, that are watching the show, and that have supported us from the very beginning, I want to thank you. I want to thank you for helping us to be able to get to in the top 1% uh, globally as far as podcasts. I want to thank you for just supporting us, uh, for listening, for sharing, for doing all of those things. Um, I'm going to ask you, every one of you, to do something today, and I want you to share this episode. Uh, I want you to share this episode with someone who needs it, someone who Richard was talking about that maybe was on the brink. Uh, maybe they're struggling with alcohol. Maybe they're struggling with, uh, with, uh, with drugs. Maybe they're, you know, in a place where, uh, their mental health is in a place where they're needing that little bit of shift. I'm going to ask you not only share this, but I'm going to ask you to have them get in touch with the vertical momentum podcast because it's making a difference in this world. Now's the time where you need to, uh, click all the links, check all the sponsors, and I want to list a couple of them off because I want to thank them so much. Samaritan's Feet. Samaritan's Feet was started by Manny Ahomey. This man started off his life with no shoes and now has put shoes on over 10 million kids throughout the, uh, throughout the world. This guy is absolutely phenomenal. Uh, number two is uh, Michael Mina. Michael Mina, I think, has the greatest restaurants in the world. And if you haven't experienced it, it's a completely different level of service when you go into the Michael Mina restaurants. Cardenas Law Group. It's a boutique law firm, and I tell you, there's, there's nothing like having someone that's on your side that's the absolute best at what they do. Um, this one was a, a big one. One of my friends, uh, you know, introduced me to it. It's called Squeeze Dried, and for all of you who can't eat all your vegetables and your fruits in one day, you can by using Squeeze Dried. It's just a little stick. You drop it into your water. You don't even have to worry about anything at all. And the last one, guys, uh, is Finley, uh, Finley Motor or Finley uh, Volvo uh, in Las Vegas, and I tell you, if you want to have a completely different experience as far as um, not only buying a car, um, but having someone sometimes tell you not to buy that car because it's not the best thing for you, Jim DiGiulio at uh, uh, Volvo of Las Vegas is uh, Finley Volvo of Las Vegas is, I mean, the best in the business. And uh, I guess last but not least is solo, like with your, uh, with your um, social media. When you need just one click, uh, solo for social media has uh, changed my entire life. As opposed to sending out 50 different links, I just got one link. It's solo. Uh, and I tell you, it's been absolutely uh, tremendous. 
So I want each and every one of you to check out the sponsors because they've been riding with us since the absolute beginning. It's given us opportunity to be able to have people like the Richard Kaufmans on the show. And I want to thank you, Richard, because who you are, not what you do, man. I mean, what you do is phenomenal with the podcast, with writing, with all those things, but who you are, who you are as a father, who you are as a husband, and who you are as a human being. Not saying, I did all this stuff, I've got all these friends and I'm the greatest, but you just are promoting every single other person and telling them they're the greatest, man. And I mean, I I tell you, you have exceeded expectation today. I can't wait to have you on the show more, man. And uh, you have just been absolutely phenomenal. Well, I'm truly grateful and, and, and humbled. Um, and like, I don't know if you guys can see my shirt, but my T-shirt says, today I decide. So, and what that means is that those are the three most important words in the English language. Today I decide. So, you have, this, you have a choice. You don't have to be the same person when you go to bed tonight as the same person that woke up this morning. You have that, you can make that decision to change. It's up to you to make that decision. So today I just want to say, if you're struggling with something, just please make that decision to not become a statistic and to get some help. Richard, you have been absolutely phenomenal, man. I want to thank you so much for being on the show and thank you for being such a phenomenal human. And thank you for allowing me to force you to be my friend for the rest of your life, man. You can't get rid of me. Um, you know, I'm going to be around in your life. You're going to be around in my life. And I just, I want to thank you so much for taking time away from your family, uh, from, you know, from your friends, from your business to be able to take the time on the show here today. And again, check out the vertical momentum podcast with Richard Kaufman. He is exactly, exactly, exactly who he claims to be and even more. And I want to thank you for that, uh, my man. And I, I just appreciate you at the highest level. So Thank you're, you. yeah, and you're officially off the hot seat. Woo-hoo!